Hey, everybody, it's Ryan here. You know, we have the NFL Ringer podcast. You know, we, we recently recorded our show, and we just really recently found out some breaking news about Tua's about to start for the Dolphins. So I just wanted to tell you guys how I felt about this and um, what I think that Tua can do for the Dolphins. You know, they're 3-3. Three and three. They're having a positive record right now. Um, you know, and I feel that they feel it's the right time for Tua to come in. You know, they had Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's been playing some good football. He's really been teaching him, leading him, and just understanding, uh, helping Tua understand the offensive concepts and just understanding how things go in the regular season. And then, you know, they actually put Tua in last week. He only played one series, but I think the def the Dolphins already understand is they're not going to win a championship this year. But I think they just want to see where their franchise can go in the future. You know, they have Gaskins at running back. They have Preston Smith. They have uh, Parker at receiver. You know, they have the young tight end right now who's who's doing great things. And I feel that they want to bring two in. They have him in the mix so he can continue to develop with that young core. So they're not expecting Tua to go over here and take them to a championship. But the thing is, if Tua does take them to winning the division, then, hey, now that's that that's good leverage for Tua and that makes him feel good, and he's going into an upcoming season, but they already have six games out of the way. So then now Tua doesn't have to really worry about that Ricky slump at the beginning of the season. They're already in, in a good space. Um, we only have 10 more games to go, So and I, and I doubt Tua goes 0-10. You know, so I think the Dolphins have a pretty good team, You know, and I think they believe in him enough. They understand that he's not going to, He's not going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick out there and have crazy games, but he's good enough to bring them to the promised land, and the division is still real close. So they understand that he doesn't – he can make his mistakes, he can make his rookie mistakes, but he can also make an impact. So I'm really excited to see what they have, what Tua is going to do, what Tua is going to bring to this to this season. And um, it actually came a lot earlier than I expected. I thought it was going to come a little later, you know, especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick playing so well. But I think they believe in Tua. They understand the division is close. And they're like, hey, we're going to put the young guy in and see where we go from here. So let's see what the Dolphins do. And um, let's see if they can keep winning. They got two two strong wins back to back. And let's keep let's see if Tua can keep them going. You know, they tank for Tua. So let's see if it works. So now we're about to actually get to the podcast that we, we recorded and enjoy the show. Today's episode of the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by State Farm. Getting great car and home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate? Well, that's like drafting a player that becomes an all-pro. The real deal. State Farm agents provide personalized service so you can customize your insurance to fit your needs. Like a GM putting together their very own roster. You need a team that supports you. And State Farm's got a great one. In addition to agents, the award-winning mobile app helps manage coverage, pay bills, file claims, and more. With a great price and even greater service, State Farm goes from strength to strength. Choose insurance that always brings its A-game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid. Featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, 
and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Oh, you've been waiting all week long. You know what time it is. Yeah, that's right. This is the Tuesday edition of the Ringer NFL show alongside my guy, Ryan Shazier. I'm Cole Wright. And Ryan, it's, it's been a week as always. And uh, last night I saw you, you were taking in some of those Monday night football games. And uh, you were also out there fine dining at, at, a, at, a, <laughs> at a nice steakhouse. Got, a, got yourself a nice filet that you were telling me. Uh, what, well, how about the sides, though? That's, that's the main question because when it comes to nice steak dinners, you can't just throw any side on the plate, man. Yeah, you know, I had me a, I had me a nice filet. I had some truffle butter uh, with, with some uh, mashed potatoes. Some, okay. you know, uh, Michelle had gotten the mashed potatoes. I like to actually the truffle fries and the cream of spinach. So. But did, did you go with the, when it comes to mashed potatoes, horseradish mashed potatoes or just the regular mashed potatoes? No, they had some, like, sour cream mashed potatoes. So... So you do I, not go with horseradish mashed potatoes. No, nah, I'm, I'm not a big horseradish. <laughs> I'm not a big horseradish fan. So really, uh, nah, nah. I'm wow. Not. All right. I mean, I thought there that was might be a Chicago some, thing, but not, I not. thought there were so many great things about you, Ryan. I figured I could just add the horseradish mashed potatoes to the mm, list. Nah, Apparently not. Nah. Well, I, I think you lead that one in Chicago. Um, wow. I'm okay. good over here on that. All right. So when Ryan Shazier comes to Chicago and I take him out to dinner, we're gonna feast. On nothing but horseradish mashed potatoes. That's how we're going. Nah. Did, did you? You said you had truffle butter. You you didn't go fillet Oscar. N- none of the hollandaise nah, so sauce. I'm allergic, I'm allergic to seafood. So oh, that's right. That's that's yeah, terrible. So I can't. I can't. I can't have like all the uh, crazy extravagant stuff that y'all be having. So mm. I had to just keep it simple. You know. I like how you say all the extravagant stuff that y'all have. Like I I don't go with the fillet Oscar. I'm not fancy like that. I just go with, with the uh, what is it the 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 Cajun ribeye—that's what I go with. Oh yeah, my, uh, my my homie—they had that last night. Cajun ribeye marinated forty hours. Uh, you'll be licking your fingers the whole time afterwards. Now, thanks for joining us because, as we said, this is the Tuesday edition of the Ringer NFL Show. You can listen to us on Spotify and check out all the other Ringer NFL Show podcasts five times a week. That's what we hit you with information back and forth. Now, today, as we always do, we're going to touch on a wide variety of topics. We're going to get down to business. We're going to look at Monday Night Football. We're going to tell you what we liked week six. We're also going to tell you what we did not like. And we're also going to take a closer look at how things shake out when it comes to that coaching hierarchy in the NFL. Because, Ryan, you're going to let everybody know what exactly certain coaches do. Because it's more than meets the eye when it comes to the day in and day out. All right, Ryan, let's get busy, man. Let's get down to Monday Night Football. You ready to roll there? Yes, sir. Okay, let's start with Chiefs and Bills because uh, a game that looked a whole lot closer than many expected turned into a result that many expected. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs getting that W 26-17. to And if there's one takeaway, at least for me, from this game, it's, it's that uh, Patrick Mahomes, even though sometimes he may be down and he may be faced with adversity, this is a guy that you can never count out through four quarters of football, Ryan. Hey, it's the reason this man got paid five hundred million dollars, man. Mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> they don't just give five hundred million dollars to any anybody. He ain't no slouch, man. Uh, you know, like 
I think they said this is his 16th straight game or something like that with a passing touchdown. Uh, they said this is like he's scoring two touchdowns every game this year. You know, his 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 numbers may not look crazy. He might not throw for 500 every game, but he's making sure they put points on the board, man. And uh, you have to pit 30. You have to score 30 to beat them. And last night they scored they scored 26. And like like I said, you had to score 30 to beat them, man. Like they're going to pit points on the board. You know, in Mahomes, he has so many weapons, man. It makes it easy for him to have fun out there. The takeaway I got from it is uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Man, mm-hmm. I think uh, Le'Veon has to worry, man. Uh, Le'Veon probably thought he was going to go over there and get a starting job. Nah. That man said, hey, I'm, I got me a, a buck 60 last night. Hey, this 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 is my job, and, and uh, you're going to have to do a little bit better to take it from me. Yeah, Ryan Clyde Edwards Alaire, 26 attempts, 161 yards, had a long of 31. And like you said, it's going to be a competition in that backfield in Kansas City. And uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire, well, he's not going to step aside for Le'Veon Bell, no matter what Lev Bell brings to the table. Yeah, you're right. And the thing is, Le'Veon, he's the type of back, he feeds off the more the more carries he gets. And the fact that uh He's not going to be getting too many carries. First of all, they drafted this dude in the first round, and Le'Veon is pretty much going to be on a veteran contract. So it's not like they have to give him the ball. You know, um, Le'Veon is just going to be an extra tool that they have there, but he's not somebody that's actually needed. So I'm not surprised that Le'Veon actually went to the Chiefs, but the fact that he went there is that he could play football. He has a, ch- a chance to win a championship, but he's not going to see the Rock as much as he probably would have saw if he actually went to like a Buffalo, the team that he just played against, or if he went to the Dolphins, and the Dolphins are, are playing good football right now, but you know, obviously, uh, the, the 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 name of the game is to win championships, and the Chiefs are the front runners to a lot of people to win a championship, no matter what the record is. Yeah, so, are, are, are the Dolphins playing good football, or were the Jets playing really bad football this past week in that twenty-four to nothing win for uh, Miami? <laughs> I don't lie. In the last two games, I think the Dolphins scored was sixty plus points. Yeah, man. In the last two games, that's true. They beat the Forty Niners, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not saying the Forty Niners are good, but I think what they're three and three now. I'm, yep. uh, San Francisco did then, a number on the Rams, twenty four yeah, to sixteen, though. And then that's what I'm saying. And then, uh, then hey, it it doesn't matter who lines up against you. It matters how you play, and that's what the Dolphins were saying. Man, we don't give a damn if we play in the Jets. Uh, we playing damn Akron. Uh, you, line, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you line up against us, you getting this butt whooping. And um, that's what the Dolphins did, man. So, you know, I think I think that Le'Veon, he made a good decision by going there, but but he's gonna have he's gonna have a tough time, a tougher time playing than he expected to. Okay, when you talked about teams that when they say when you line up against us, see you, you have to deal with what we're bringing to you. That's exactly what we saw out of the Arizona Cardinals last night versus the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, a lot of people said Andy Dalton, you know, this is a chance for him to really thrive. This is possibly the most amount of weapons that he's ever had in any offense that he's ever played in. And then the dust settled, and we saw what happened, Ryan. A 38-10 to 10 drubbing courtesy of those Cardinals. And, uh, I mean, when it comes to Kyler Murray, this is a guy, I mean, I don't know who's faster. If it's him or Lamar Jackson, I think it would be a photo finish if those cats were to run a 40, or, or maybe they'd run a 60 just to make Kyler Murray feel comfortable because we know that he was drafted in the, in the first round of Major League Baseball's draft. Yeah, man, Kyler is a playmaker, man. He's a difference maker, man. And it's not just for football. It's for baseball, too. Obviously, if you go in first round, top 10 in each draft, 
that means, hey, they knew you were going to make a difference no matter what you did, you know? So uh, he's, he's a gamer. He, doesn't, he could be out there playing table tennis. He's probably good at it, man. Um, but, yeah, Arizona, look, they're, they're, you know, they had those two bad losses, and they coming back out here like, hey, man, we're, we're still a solid team. But, man, Key and Drake had an awesome game, man. He had an awesome game, man. Just to see, uh, you know, when guys leave Miami and <laughs> go somewhere else, they, they just turn up, you know, and, uh, and he's turning up right now. But it's the same old, same old. Dallas defense looking piss poor, you know, letting everybody just run straight through them. Uh, I don't know how many yards as a team the Cardinals had, but I know Kenya Drake had over 160, I think it was. Kyler Murray had 74 yards rushing. They almost had 300 yards rushing on them, mm. too. You know, so, man, but yeah, I, the Dallas defense is bad, man. And, and this, this really shows you how much they miss Dak. Yeah, Andy Dalton is a good quarterback. And, and I, could, I could go back and look at some of the teams I played against with Andy Dalton, and they had they had pretty good offenses, man. Like they, wow. their their offenses weren't no no slouches. When uh, Tyler uh, Eifert was good, AJ Green when he was AJ Green, you know. Then they had uh, they had Muhammad Sanu. They had uh, Gio Bernard. Yeah, Gio Bernard. You know they had they had a lot of solid weapons, man. So to me, like this is obviously he has more weapons now, but. This this is the worst I've seen Andy Dalton look in a while, man. And I, I don't know if it's because he only had one week with these guys or what, but man, this this is unacceptable, man. But I think it's it's bigger than it's just bigger than than that, man. It's just, their whole team is bad right now, and uh, and and Dak is over there just licking his chops like, man. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I knew I knew y'all didn't want to pay me, but now I, I think I think I deserve that money. Yeah, I think they're going to have to back up the Brinks truck for Dak Prescott because, you know, it's, it's funny. I tweeted out a, a picture of Dak just smiling and, and pointing up towards the sky like that. You know he had to watch that game last night and like his chances of being compensated very handsomely when it comes to that next contract because uh, you, you saw what Andy Dalton did. And like you said, Andy Dalton, he's a talented quarterback. He had talent in Cincinnati, but it just didn't seem to be that playmaker talent level. I don't. We, he didn't have those transformative stars that – they have on the Dallas Cowboys, and we saw what happened with Zeke Elliott last night. He just couldn't hold on to the football, right? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, Zeke has four fumbles, uh, I think this year already. That's more and than last year, uh, uh, the whole season. So it's just, it's crazy to see that you know Zeke is just not playing like himself right now, man. I, I, I don't know. I think he's just not having fun right now, man. He's just like, man, I'm tired of this. Like, we over here losing football games. Our team is super good. Our defense freaking is terrible. Everybody else on the other sideline is having a great time, and we're over here getting our ass whooped, you know? So, but then you still got to do your job. You still got to hold on to the ball. But Dallas is, is struggling. Yeah, they're as bad as they can get right now. And the, the sad thing about it is they're still winning their goddamn division. That's that the division's not great. I mean, last year we know that nine and seven for the Philadelphia Eagles was good enough to take home that division crown. And maybe this year it's going to be eight and eight, even worse. Who knows? That's what we've seen. But like you said, with Dak Prescott, Ryan, when this cat, when he gets paid, boy, oh boy, is he going to get paid. And the only thing, if I were his agent, that I would come to the negotiating table with is the fact that you look at the guys that are top three in wins at the quarterback position over the last five seasons. It's Tom Brady. It's Russell Wilson. And it's Dak Prescott. And if you're a quarterback in the league and you can put your name in in a same category with those two cats, then I think you're doing pretty good, especially when it comes to signing that big money deal. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. And then think about it, last year and even this year, he's still keeping his name in the conversation with those guys. It might not even just be wins, but when it comes to quarterback play, Dak's been playing damn good as a quarterback with his stats. You know, um, obviously you want to win championships and things like that, but last year uh, Tom Brady didn't win no championship. Russell Winston didn't win a championship last year either, and them, them guys are still getting paid. So I feel Dak need to get his his money too, and then they figure out the rest down the road. Yeah, give Dak his bread, and the Cowboys, maybe they will flourish next season, and they'll probably have to do so with a new defensive coordinator because things, the way they're going right now, Mike Nolan, he might have to update that LinkedIn page sooner rather than later, Ryan. You know, I'm not I'm not a fan for, like, people getting fired, man. Yeah, but, especially uh, Coach Nolan. I know Coach Nolan personally, and not to, not to sit here and name drop, but Coach Nolan, good dude, nice guy, someone that you always want to work with, and to see this defense in Dallas struggle the way it is, I mean, I, I, I know he's a way better football mind than this Dallas record is showing. No, I'm saying, like, I was talking about uh, Mike McCartney, man. Uh, it's crazy. Like, I know, I know Jerry Jones keep his coaches for a while, but if they keep playing like this, he might be up out of there too, man. That, their offense is 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 good, but I don't know, man. Like, they shouldn't be playing this damn bad. Like this is, this it's not fun to watch the Cowboys. They're supposed to be America's team, and I know America is pretty pissed off right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you talk about Mike McCarthy, but d don't you think that there would be another domino to fall before Jerry would hand Mike McCarthy his walking papers? Probably no, would be uh, another Mike, yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Okay, so we will see how the saga unfolds. That is the Dallas Cowboys. There's plenty of football left to be played for that team and uh, plenty of time left for them to stink it up if they play like they're currently playing. And we saw what happened to him on Monday Night Football, absolutely embarrassed by Kyler Murray. But uh, the Cowboys, they won't be the last team that can say that because Kyler Murray, he's one of those transformative, next-level kind of players. And uh, he's a player that we all like. And uh, when it comes around the bend next, we're going to reveal our week six likes and dislikes. We're throwing a curveball, a wrinkle into this Tuesday NFL this Ringer movie. podcast. That's right. He's Ryan Shazier. I'm Cole Wright. We're bouncing back after this. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. Hey, I've got to tell you about my new favorite bet concept this season. I've been playing same-game parlays on FanDuel Sportsbook, and it's the most fun I've ever had betting. Now, they're pretty simple. All you have to do is combine multiple bets from one game into a single parlay. Now, this way, the payouts are even bigger when you cash in. Now, what's cool, too, is FanDuel will refund the first same-game parlay you lose on any NFL game each week up to 10 bucks. That means you can bet a different parlay risk-free every NFL week all season long. And this week, well, I'm going to go with the Titans to take out the Steelers 21-17. to And from the same game, I'm going to go with Derrick Henry, the Kang, going for over 100 yards. So, like my picks, go ahead and bet them. And with your first NFL or World Series same game parlay of the week, you'll get 10 bucks back if we don't win. Now, there is one catch. FanDuel is the only sportsbook app that has these same game parlays. So if you don't already have a FanDuel account, just use promo code RINGERNFL when you sign up so they know that I sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code 
Ringer NFL. Now, you must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, or Iowa. Refunds issued as a non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund, $10. Terms apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. And in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Or in Colorado, 1-800-522-4700. And in Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. We are back in this time. Like I said, before we hit the break, we're looking to provide somewhat of a wrinkle. We usually give you our week six likes, but we don't give you our dislikes. So this week, like I said, we're going to mix things up a little bit. We're going to hit you with one like, one dislike. And Ryan, I'm going to let you go first, man. What were you liking this week? What uh, What's tickling your fancy? One of my biggest likes this week is Tampa Bay's defense, how they just showed up this week. Okay. You know, to me, it really shows you how important defense is. You know, defense wins championships. They've been saying that since I was in the Little League, and I still feel that way now. You know, in other sports, it might be a little different, but definitely with football, defense wins championships. And uh, Tampa Bay defense showed up, and everybody was, you know, praising Aaron Rodgers. And uh, when a defense shows up and it really starts to take over, you really see how much it can change a whole offensive game plan. You know, it doesn't matter how good a quarterback's playing. If a defense steps up and, and and they can't be messed with, man, Aaron Rodgers looked like he was a, a lost puppy out there the other day, mm-hmm. man. He didn't know what he wanted to do. You know, they was on a hot streak blowing everybody out. When Tampa Bay defense showed up today, you know, obviously Tampa Bay offense picked some points up, but Aaron Rodgers threw that pick six and then came back and threw another pick. I think he had two picks in four plays. Like, he was like, oh, snap. All right, well, what's going on? And then when, when quarterbacks saying that in football games, it's too late. The defense already rolling, and when 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 the defense start rolling, there's nothing you can do about it. When defenses have good days, bro, it, 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 it become a long day for offense. Yeah, we saw Aaron Rodgers with a little premature celebration there. You know, he was doing that uh that key and peel. I mean, that was. I feel like you almost have to know that the game is in hand before you start to celebrate a little too much because uh, to celebrate like that and then to get your back essentially broken in a ball game, not a good look for Aaron Rodgers. And we know that Aaron Rodgers puts up a lot of good looks. Yeah, now the thing is with defenses too, like, like you know, we definitely, we definitely see everything that's going on. You know, so when you have a quarterback that's, you know, having a good time, it, it, you know, it, it gets – it gets fun, but then you be like, damn, man, you know, uh, sometimes it can get frustrating. But once you start understanding, like, I can put pressure on this dude, I can make a difference, and I can start getting this dude head. Once a defense feel that way, now nah, it's a long day for you. And then, you know, he he start, they started off early. You know, they had a 10, 10, uh, 10-0 jump. So they was like, man, yeah, we 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 got these guys, you know, and, and then Tampa Bay was like, hell no. Nah. Like, we turn this around right now. And... And once once you start affecting the quarterback, man, it it gets tough. Yeah, like you said, it, it seemed to be a case of Green Bay being like, "Yeah, we got these guys," and then Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, Bruce Arians, and company like, "No, you do not have these guys." Thirty eight to ten. That's how that one shook out. That's Ryan's uh, week six like. But Ryan, you know where I'm going? I'm I'm going to Atlanta for this one. We we know the Falcons. They did a number on the Vikings. It was in Minnesota, but. The, the way the Falcons went out there and played, I mean, the rattling of the troops, 
I know Dan Quinn was probably sitting at home. He was proud, but he wished that that win would have came maybe about a week and a half, two weeks earlier, so he would have kept his job there. But to see this Atlanta Falcons squad go out, put up 40 points, and, and, you know, they have a game versus Detroit coming up this week, so that could make it two wins in a row, back-to-backs, and then they send Minnesota into the bye week absolutely struggling. And you said when that defense is playing, you might want to watch out, and that's exactly what we saw from Atlanta's defense, Kirk Cousins, I mean, let's go back to the drawing board. Three interceptions, the, the defensive unit for the Falcons, I mean, they were rolling. Yeah, no, they were definitely rolling. Uh, yeah, I just had a feeling that the Falcons was going to win this one, man, because, you know, sometimes when you get a new coach, it's like the guys just rally different. You know, I feel guys weren't really behind Dan Quinn anymore. And then when you get a new coach in there, sometimes guys are like, man, I don't know if they talk to each other about it, but they're like, man, let's figure this out. Let's let's, let's get this going. And uh, that's what the Falcons did. They, man, they're like a completely different team, man. They 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 scored 40 points. Yeah. You know, they they shut Minnesota down. You know, this is their first win. And the thing is that's crazy nowadays is they can start off 0-5. If they go in a, a streak, you never know. They might get they might get make it to the playoffs. So it's it's crazy right now, uh, especially with that seventh team in there. In Dallas division being so bad, you just never know who could be in the playoffs right now. Absolutely. And, and like you said, when it, when it comes to defensive units playing, that's what you really need to hang your hat on. And that's what Atlanta did. And they also leaned on Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan with quite the performance, looking like the MVP that he once was going out there and getting those dirty birds their first win of the season. All right, Ryan, time now. To, I don't want to say we want to dwell on any negativity, but it's time for your week six dislike. What was it, man? My, my my dislike this week is the Eagles. I feel like they did they could have did a, a better job mm. on that two point conversion play. And it's not just the Eagles' whole game; it was just that two point conversion play. Okay. I feel they could have came up with a better play. And the reason I say that is because the Ravens, their their scheme and a lot of their runs are built on the read option. So you know their defense knows how to play against that. A lot of times your defense is built to stop your offense. I don't know what Dallas defense is built like because I know they damn sure can't stop their offense. But, <laughs> but, but a lot of times your defense is built to stop your offense and how your offense plays. So like, I'm just going to use the Steelers for example. Like they're a really physical team so their defense is a really physical run-stopping defense. You know, in the Eagles, you know, they like to spread the ball out a lot but they run the ball with Miles Sanders. So the Ravens, Obviously, their team is they're stopping running style quarterbacks, read option style quarterbacks because obviously that's what Lamar does. I feel that they should have uh, not put the ball in the Ravens' court on a two point conversion play because you got to think about how many plays do the Ravens' defense see a, a week of Lamar doing read options or Lamar, you know, handing the ball off to the running back or he's keeping it in for a touchdown. Yeah, they they're, they're so used to that and so used to that type of concept. I, I think that they should have came up with a better play because they did they did so much to come back from where they were at. They were down 17-0 and they come all the way back to to being able to tie the game up to go to overtime. I feel like they could have they could have came up with something a little better than than the play they had. Yeah, it's almost like they 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 dug into their bag of tricks and they realized, you know, they took so much to get back in the game that that bag was empty. And that's exactly what we saw when they came up with that two-point L. That was your dislike this week. Uh, mine, I, I'm, I'm going to stay somewhat in that neck of the woods. We're going to bounce over from Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, and we're going to go 
to Ohio because, the, you know, the, the Cincinnati Bengals, we saw them jump out to a big-time lead on the Indianapolis Colts. But, Ryan, youth and inexperience, well, the saying goes, youth is wasted on the young, and that's what we saw with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, for the second straight week, not able to pass for a touchdown. However, we did see him, Joe Mixon, Gio Bernard get into the end zone. And just like that, it was a 21-0 game. Cincinnati out in front. They were rolling. I, I picked him on FanDuel as my upset of the week. I'm more ways to win. I was feeling great. I was looking at the halftime score, and I was like, oh, I got this one in the bag. And then, and then, Phillip Rivers, his unorthodox throwing motion, and everything that's involved, he led these Indianapolis Colts to a, a rumble victory, and they went out there, and they got that win. And it, it's the thing that I disliked. It's the Cincinnati Bengals' inability to close. I mean, when you have a young quarterback like that, I feel like that's how you take that next step. When you go and you take those leads like that and you finish those ball games, And that's what we did not see from Joe Burrow. And it's going to come over time. Those young quarterbacks, there's those growing pains. There's that maturation process. And that's what we saw on Sunday. Joe Burrow and Cincinnati taking it on the chin, man. Never what you want to see, especially if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan. Yeah, you definitely want to don't want to see that. And then the thing is, you definitely want to see them winning football games versus quality teams. You know, the Colts, they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Yep. And they were just able to rack up points on them in the first two quarters. Like like you said, 24 points, uh 24 points in the first two quarters and and then just got, you know, just got pretty much zeroed out the the second half only scoring three points in the second half. Man, uh, they have a solid squad, but yeah, they definitely have to find a way to finish. And but that has to be a little. You have to put a little blame on their defense, man. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're up twenty-one zip and twenty-four to seven, they started lounging know, just a little bit. They got too comfortable, huh? Yeah, they got way too comfortable. Okay, you know, and uh, and you know, at the day they 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 have made a push to come back to try to win the game, but you know, and at the end of the day, you always want your offense to be able to seal the game for you, but. Man, the, the defense has to do a better job in, in in actually selling people out, man. They can't just allow people to come back down. It just scored 21 unanswered points like that, you know, and then now, oh, our offense is good enough to get us back in the game. No, you're not. You know, you have to, you have to, when we get up, we have to learn how to hold the lead, you know. So Cincinnati has to do a better job of just actually locking down, holding in the lead. And then, I don't know, uh, we have a, a term in, uh, uh, Pittsburgh that we used to say like my first few years. When you get up solid, you got to start hiding the weenie. And hiding the weenie is hide the football. You know, just run the football. Just run it as much as you possibly can. That's I don't know why they called it hide the weenie. Yeah, I was going to hey. ask you, why they call it the weenie? Why don't they just yeah, say, I, you, just call it the rock? Uh, just no. call it the, the pigskin. Call it something know. that is a, a usual term. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. I don't know, but that, that's what they call it. So, like, we, we used like, oh, it's that time of the game. It's, it, we got to hide the weenie. And then, you know, Le'Veon, when we had him at the time with James Conner, Le'Veon averaging 3.4 yards a carry. You do 3.4, you know, three times, that's the first down, you know? Wow. So, yeah. so we just going to just milk it, milk it, milk it, milk it. You know, Le'Veon going to have 30 carries, but in the day, you know, a team's not going to come back because we just literally milked the clock from you. You couldn't get the ball back. Yeah, Joe Mixon, Gio Bernard, they're going to need to milk the clock a little bit better in Cincinnati if they want to see some of those big-time offensive outputs result in wins. And we, we need to see Joe Burrow turn that corner. We know last year's Heisman Trophy winner, there's going to be some growing pains like we touched on, but that's what happens when you make that transition from college football you, you to know the somebody, NFL. 
You know somebody that need uh, Joe Burrow and, and Clyde Edward Hilaire right now? LSU. Like, yeah, need. yeah, okay. All right, <laughs> all right. You, you had to go there. Well, I think the Ohio State Buckeyes are ranked uh, six in the nation right now. Okay, go, Th- go just Bucks. throwing rocks. You're throwing rocks at an organization when they're down. I mean, they mortgage the future for that uh, 2019 national championship. I'm not saying, Ryan. Go but Bucks. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's only one championship to be given out last season in the Ohio State Buckeyes. They Guys did robbed. not win. They did and not they win robbed. it. They got robbed of okay. it, but it's cool. All right. All right. You know what time it is. Now it's time for us to make our move. We're going to head over to that Twitter machine. We're going to give a quick social timeout. We want you to send us your questions. You can do so at the Ringer NFL, at Ryan Shazier, at Cole Wright. And if we get a few good ones, well, we're going to answer your questions right here on the show. And the question this week is from an AMA. That's a ask me anything for all those out there who are, aren't, aren't up on those acronyms that the kids are throwing around here. And uh, Ryan, he took time out of his lovely steak dinner last night. He had his filet with truffle butter, his cream spinach. Oh, my god! But, but he, but he took the time out to answer questions from you, the fan. And we're going to check in with at Kyle Morris KC because uh, Ryan, Kyle wants to know, who's your favorite current player to watch? non-Steelers division. So you can't pick anybody out of the AFC North. You leave Big Ben out of this. Leave Lamar Jackson out of this. Uh, Joe Burrow, you, you can't touch on him. So who you going with? Who's your favorite guy to watch on the field, man? So I'm going I'm to uh, not go with the fan favorite because I'm going I'm to keep Patrick Mahomes out of this. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to have to go with Kyler Murray, man. He's, he's a young, talented guy, man. And, you know, it's fun watching him, man. He's just so talented. Like he can run the ball, he can throw the ball, you know. And and he he just he's a fun guy to watch. You know, you just never know what you're gonna get out of him. You know, they had a play yesterday. They faked the run, they faked the reverse, and Kyler Murray kept the ball and did a boot. I'm like, whoa! Like quarterbacks don't do that, you know. Yeah. So it was just kind of cool just to to watch him and just to see how they get him involved in the running game as well as the passing game, you know, because his stats might not be crazy like everybody else. He had 181 yards passing, but 75 yards rushing. That that equates to 200 and, I don't know, 250-something, you know, 260 I'll, I'll yards. I'll take your word for it. I'm no mathematician. That's why I yeah. work in sports media. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, that's like 260, 250-something, man. So it's just, just to see that he's out there, you know, still making plays, still racking up numbers, but just in a different way, like, uh, I think these running style, mobile style quarterbacks are really exciting to watch. You know, from a uh, from a you know just a fan perspective. You know, uh, as a defensive player, you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go around the league and keep looking a little bit because a lot of my favorite defensive players are all play for the Steelers. So, oh, okay, all right. You know, I saw that play where where Kyler Murray he hit hit the defender with a quick little shift and then went the, the opposite direction. It it just seems the shiftiness, the escapability factor of a guy like Kyler Murray. I mean, it's it's next level. And, you know, it, it almost makes me think how many quarterbacks that we saw, you know, make their way through the collegiate ranks, you know, 10, 15 years ago who played the same way as Kyler Murray. How would they have fared in the National Football League in a, in a day like today? I mean, Mike Robinson at Penn State back in the day, I mean uh, – M-Rob was dangerous, and I think M-Rob's game may have translated into the league today, Ryan. Yeah, no, 100%. It's, it's so crazy because there's a lot of guys that were like that in the past, but they just always said quarterbacks don't do that. Quarterbacks don't do that. So they just didn't allow them to actually be that guy. The first one that was actually able to do it was Michael Vick, but it was actually more guys like Michael Vick, but people were scared to use them, you know? So, um, like, the other day, we I see the play, Lamar short a touchdown, he scrambled to his right, started juking somebody in the backfield and threw the ball. Like, that's not fair. Like, you know, guys aren't used to that type of stuff. And just to see that 
is actually coming into the NFL now and really showing you how much football is evolving. Absolutely. And to see the way that quarterbacks like Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes are being utilized for that matter. Well, it's very intriguing, especially when you take a look around the league and you see that it's a new generation, a new breed of quarterbacks who can do just so much. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball. They, they can make defenses have to think for an entire 60-minute time frame. So when we come back, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to talk the coaching hierarchy and uh, just let everybody at home, Ryan, you're going to let them know what every coach does on a weekly basis. When it comes to game planning for those uh, shifty quarterbacks, you're going to let everybody know how it goes down. That and much more coming your way next right here on this Tuesday edition of the Ringer NFL Show. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Viore. If you're sick and tired of your old traditional workout gear, then I have two words that will change everything. Viore clothing. This line of active wear is truly unbelievable. And here's why. Look, you've seen me. You've seen the shorts I do on YouTube. I walk around. I do stuff. I listen to podcasts when I walk. I make calls when I walk. I like to wear comfortable workout equipment, you know, like nothing nuts. Just like a really nice pullover, comfortable pants to walk around. Viore is designed to work out in whatever you're doing, but it doesn't look or feel like you're working out at all. It's so freaking soft and comfortable, you'll never want to take it off. And here's the best part. You don't have to take it off. Wear Viore clothing to train, travel, or lounge around the house. I do a lot of lounge around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash ringer. V-U-O-R-I dot com. Slash ringer. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. All right, back here once again. As we told you at the beginning of the show, this is the Tuesday edition of the Ringer NFL podcast. He's Ryan Shazier. I'm Cole Wright. And uh, playbook time, that's when Ryan is going to let you know what each and every single coach around the league does and uh, what their job actually entails because we watch football all week long. We see the guys walking around on the sidelines. And whether it's the the head coach, the DC, or the OC, we, we pretty much know what those guys do. But when it comes to everyone else, Ryan, I want you to start at the bottom and work your way to the top, man. Uh, what, what do these coaches actually do as the week unfolds? Yeah, so every every team has a different amount of coaches. You know, uh, I think the Ravens have some of the most coaches on, in the NFL. I think they have like 17 plus. And the Steelers, we don't have too many coaches. You know, most teams have a head coach, uh, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, position coach. Then you have quality control guys. And then some teams have uh, a lot of guys that help with analytics, you know, that's why you're starting to see guys go for it on fourth down instead of kicking field goals now because just the analytics tell you, hey, man, you have better chances with this than actually kicking a field goal or something like that. So, uh, but I'm going to start off with the quality control guys. The quality control guys are pretty much like paralegals. So pretty much, you know, uh, how a paralegal is the one that finds all the information for the lawyer, does all the work, is <laughs> the ones that do do all the dirty work. 
That's kind of that's kind of what a, a quality control guy does. They do a good job of just pretty much breaking everything down. Uh, you know, getting all the uh, getting all the like taking a lot of the notes for everybody. Uh, you know, they print out uh the game plan for the for the players so they can see it. Sometimes teams change their uh their plays each week. So the quality control guy is the guy that prints out the 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 sheet so all the guys can see it. And then when the coaches are talking about what they're gonna do the next week, the quality control guy is the guy that breaks it down for everybody. So when they when everybody, all the players see it they have to pretty much break down exactly what the coach said and then give it to the guys. And then, you know, if if uh, if a coach is out sick or something like that, sometimes a quality control guy can step in. So they're almost like an assistant to the position coach, you know, like, or assistant to, like, the D coordinator. And then, so now you have a position coach. Some people have assistant position coaches, but a position coach pretty much is a guy that helps with, like, the linebacker position. So... Their job is to pretty much tell the linebackers, hey, in cover three, you have this, this, this is your job in cover three. So a lot of times you have different plays for each week. So if we're playing Kansas City, we might be in more man because in zone, you know, Patrick Mahomes will eat you up. So a lot of times the position coach will let you know, hey, we're going to be in man this week. So let me teach you the techniques that we need to know for man. You know, the big thing about uh, position coaches are when you have a younger group, you need to make sure you have a really good position coach. When you have an older group, you want to have a good position coach, but, it, you know, they don't have to be as good because obviously you know these guys are veterans and they understand how to learn plays in their own way. And But when you have a younger guy, you have to teach them the scheme, you have to teach them the technique, and then you have to make sure that they understand any adjustments that have to be made. So you like uh, uh, when you have younger guys, you they're pretty much they're they're pretty much like kids. And I'm not saying they're like kids, but you have to teach them so much information and make mm -hmm. sure they're they're on top of things. Because if a young guy messes up at the linebacker position, a lot of times they're the hub of communication. So if the older guy, you know, is trying to communicate some stuff, and the young guy is lost out there. Now, your communication gets screwed up on the defense, you know. So that's why when you have an older coach and they like harp on those guys, like, "Hey, what you like? You need to make sure you know this. You need to make sure you know that." It, it really helps the young guys understand what's going on, so they can help everybody else understand that they know their job. And I feel my, my one of my best coaches was my linebacker coach for a high school, not high school, college, and professional. Because both of those guys were like sticklers. Like, if you made it the slightest mistake, you're coming out the game. You made the slightest mistake, you know, you're paying a fine. And um, it's, it's not like those crazy fines that you hear around the league, but just little fines that we have inside the room. And we'll actually use those fines later to go out to dinner with the group. But it's just to make sure you know what you're doing because you're focusing on what's next. Like, the position coach are the ones that help the receivers practice on those those sideline catches. So when you're getting close to the sideline, you're the one, they're the ones who help you toe drag, telling you ha you have to have dead feet. You know, so those are the guys that help you pretty much learn the, like the basics of the plays. The coordinators are the ones who come up with the scheme of the week. Uh, a lot of times, they're the ones who are like, all right, we're playing, we're playing Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys are not good versus the run. And I'm just, I'm just going to use that because they have it. 
So the offensive coordinator will be like, hey, I know we're not a huge running team this week, but they have a really bad, they're really bad for stopping the run. Like this guy, he's, he's, he does a terrible job versus double teams. So we're going to run a lot of power versus this guy this week. And until Dallas change it up, we're going to keep hammering power and coming back to that because we understand that that's something that they can't stop. So coordinators understand, all right, this works versus this team. This doesn't work versus this team. So like, uh, for instance, uh, like the Browns, they were running the ball well versus everybody. So they thought, hey, we could come in here and run the ball versus the, versus the Steelers. The Steelers, when it comes to run, Tyson, Cam, and Tuitt, they're, they're so good at just the, the D-line position that it's hard just to run the ball on those guys. So they understand, like, so now you have to come up with a different game plan. Hey, we might have to do some tosses. But then if you do a toss, now you have to worry about TJ. You know, so like, those are the guys who have to worry about the scheme and the players that the other guys have, the coordinators. And they come up with plays, and they're the ones who call the plays during the game. Then the head coach is like the president. You know, he can veto stuff. He can be like, no, we're not doing that. He can overrun stuff. He can say, hey, I don't care what play you want right now. I want this play. You know, so sometimes a, a head coach can come in and just take over a role uh, if he doesn't feel a guy is doing it right. Or sometimes, you know, uh, every every team is different. Sometimes the coordinators call the first and second down play and the head coach call the third down play. And sometimes the other way around. The, the head coach call... The uh the first and second down play in the corner is called a third down play because it's just like a change of change of uh change of schemes sometimes because it's the same scheme but everybody call plays different like Cole you might like calling cover one while I like calling a, a blitz you know so if like the the it sometimes it throws uh coordinators off because it's you you're getting two different type of play calling sometimes um and then uh, say if you're if you have a uh uh, if the head coach noticed that one of the position coaches isn't doing a good enough job, they can step in and help that coach teach that position uh, a certain way because the head coach, he's the one that is his team. So he wants to see guys play how he wants them to play. So if he doesn't see a coach teaching the guys or they're not playing the way he wants them to play, he could come into that meeting room and be like, hey, I need these guys to play like this. And if the coaches are doing a good enough job, then you'll start seeing that head coach pop his head into those meetings a little more. And then at the end of the day, the head coach, you know, he can talk to anybody he wants to, tell guys how he wants things done. And one one thing that Coach Tommy, I think was a good job as a head coach, was actually like he came to the players sometime that he thought that he really wanted involved with certain things. Like me and Coach Tomlin, before meetings, we used to, before the regular meetings, I used to get there early. Me and him would go in there and just talk about the whole game plan mm -hmm. before like some of the other guys got the game plan because I would just go in there and want to learn from him. But also it's just he just helped me just focus in. All right, like this is what I need done, and this is some of the things that we might see down the road because the coaches they they are the head coach has to plan for. All right, this is what we want to happen, but this might happen. And then worst case, worst case scenario, this is what we have to do. You know, and the head coach, they're the ones who has to prepare for worst case scenarios and things down the road compared to the coordinators when they're focusing on the right now and, you know, and uh, they're focusing on adjustments. But, mm -hmm. you know, the, the head coach has to focus on, all right, in the fourth quarter, they might adjust to this thing. And now 
I have to make sure our team is ready for it. They, they're, they're, the, they're the ones who's always changing, always moving around, and always having their hand in every piece of the pie. Okay, so basically all the quality control guys, they're just being groomed to be head coaches. That's if that's what their you know end, end game is because they're yeah. doing basically everything that a head coach would do. They're just running the errands for the head coach. And you, when when you said the OC and the DC when they when they switch when it comes to calling with the head coach, if if I were to make a baseball analogy, Ryan, and correct me if I'm wrong, it'd almost be like a catcher and the manager calling the game for the pitcher just to vary the looks for the other team and the hitter in the batter's box yeah. just so they don't get too comfortable. Yeah, no, that's a that's a hundred percent. You know, because like for instance. Uh, a, a pitch, a, a batter can be like, oh, this pitcher loves throwing strikes. You know, uh, strikes when when it's a uh, uh, a three two count. Okay. You know, he loves throwing strikes right down the middle because he's not gonna have me chasing because if I don't chase, now I, I walk. You know, so now they're like the so you so used to that, and then now the manager's like, hey, throw this curveball in there uh, on, on the corner of the plate. I know if I might I know if he don't swing on it, it's out, but he's not a he's not expecting this. So now when you see it come, they're like, damn. Like, you know, and it could be a strike based off of what the umpire calls, or you thinking a strike coming, you thinking a uh, you thinking a fastball coming and you swinging no matter what, and you just swung at a curveball and you out. You know, and that's the same thing when it comes to coaches and and uh and like like if you're using a baseball analogy, because it changes up the looks if like for instance, Coach Tomlin is really aggressive, while our, our D coordinator he might not be as aggressive, you know. So you know, Coach Tomlin might throw some aggressiveness in there, boom, 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 and then they, then so now you thinking second down something aggressive coming, and then you thinking oh they're about to blitz, and then boom, now nah, we're, we're sitting back in coverage, you know. So uh, like they they play off each other, they like to use the same schemes, they always like to be in the same looks but they can always find a way to make it look different than the other guy does. Okay, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Ryan Shazier giving us the rundown of the NFL coaching tree, letting us know what every guy does on game day and during the week, Ryan. That's good stuff, as always, man. Now let's make our move to mic check. That's the time where Ryan's going to let us know what he saw from that Mike linebacker position that we may not have seen all week long. And this is the time when I'm going to step up to the mic to let you know what piqued my interest going on this week. And Ryan, I'm going to get things started here, man. I'm going to go with the guy who never says a whole bunch. You, you, you know him. You faced his team, the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, but things a little bit different this time around. No Tom Brady and Cam Newton. Well, at least last week after that COVID-19 hiatus, not looking the same. Let's listen up to what Bill B had to say. We, we need more time together. We need to practice together. We need to execute and, you know, do everything better. No question about that. Would you would you say anything more specifically just on Cam having him back? Uh, just what you thought of his game today? It, it's the same for everybody on the team. Nobody's practice. I mean, we we all need we all need like I said, we all need to to do more, practice more, and need to get our execution levels up a lot higher. Not a game, not a game, not a game, but practice. Are we talking about practice. practice? Yeah, about that, practice, that's exactly man. what Bill Belichick was talking about. Practice right there. And you, you know what? The question that came in midway, I mean, I, I know what the reporter was trying to do. They were trying to get a little extra out of Bill Belichick. But having sat in those media rooms with Bill B, 
you know you're not going to outsmart that guy. You can't outslick a can of oil, man. And, and for him to go out there and say that everybody needs to practice, you know he's not going to zero in on Cam, even though, you know, with, with Cam having to be away from the team due to COVID-19 protocols, of course, he needs a few more repetitions when it comes to those practice sessions. But, I mean, Bill Belichick, he he's always tight-lipped. And I, I if my memory serves me, and if everything – you know, if it follows the the blueprint, the game plan that we've seen the Patriots follow in years past, then something tells me that they're going to be just all right off of Interstate 95 over there, Ryan. Yeah, man. To me, it sounds like he's complaining a little bit. You know, Tennessee really? ain't have much damn practice, and they've been beating the hell out of people. Well, they also know, have so. Derrick Henry, who's as big as all outside. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, I feel it. But, hey, it sounds like he complaining a little bit. But, you know, that's what Bill's going to give you. At the end of the you got to practice, you know, uh, Hey, I think I think Bill's starting to have a little bit too many commercials over there, man. You oh. know, uh, now nah, I'm messing around. I'm messing around. I think they're gonna be solid. I think they're gonna be all right. You know, the uh, Cam ha- haven't been playing, so you know things are a little rusty, especially with COVID. They haven't really been practicing that much. Um, but it's just the, the nature of the game. You know, you have to adjust. And you know, Bills is used to being better than everybody right now, and uh, they're not better than everybody no more. You know, He's so cutting the sleeves off of people's hoodies in those uh in those subway, in those subway ads. Coming. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, who would have ever if we go back in time twenty-five years ago and tell Deion Sanders and Bill Belichick that they'd be doing commercials, but Dion will be doing the voiceovers and uh Bill B, he'd be the actual dude on camera. N- nobody in a million years will believe us, Ryan. Nobody, at not, all, not at one all. person. All right, what what are you mic checking on this week, man? What did you see that maybe we didn't? So the mic check I have. First first quarter, Mika pick six. The thing that I see on this play is, man, you know, the game haven't even started yet. And, you know, the the Steelers already seem like they're putting pressure on Baker. You know, Baker, I think he just, it almost like when I'm looking at this play, man, it almost seems like he was nervous a little bit and, like, try to get the ball out so fast. But if, if you're just looking at the defense, man, it, it, we, like the Steelers are clearly in a man defense, man, and and they're playing the sticks. Mika Fitzpatrick looking right at Baker's eyes, and like when when people get a chance, if you just want to break down football, if you're looking at a quarterback, a lot of times most players in the NFL have like a stripe or something on top of their helmet, and that's that tells you where your eyes are looking. And Mika literally looking right at Baker's eyes, mm. and he ran a slant and picked it right off. And Baker waited two seconds, Odell Beckham was wide open. And to me, I think this, like, the one thing I see in this play is that the Steelers defense understands, hey, man, when I'm playing against certain guys, they're going to show me what, they're going to show me who they're throwing to. They're going to show me what, what they are. And that's what, that's what the Steelers did with Baker. They seen, like, hey, all right, this is Baker Mayfield. He going to show us, he going to show us what we want to see. And then, and it was, it was too easy. It was it was too easy of a pick for Mika. You know, he he he's he's a playmaker. And you know, I heard a few people say, "Man, I ain't heard Mika in a while." I'm like, he gonna show up, and then Baker let him show up, and, and right on time. You know, but it, it really just shows me. I, I I honestly think the Steelers had the best defense in the NFL. Okay. You know, and um, and it, I think they showed it this week. You know, obviously Nick Chubb wasn't playing, but the the violence that they were playing with last week, man, like the one play when Cam hit Baker, man, he pushed him so hard to the ground. I was like, damn, I know that hurts. You know, and uh, and you just see that they're, they're making the teams fold. Mm-hmm. And it seems like 
when ba- uh, Odell was playing, it seems like they didn't want. He didn't even want to be there no more. He don't even want to be in the be in the stadium anymore. Mm. You know, so I just I I love the, the how the defense look. I, I like breaking down film and just seeing a lot of the plays they make and. A lot of their plays come from the front seven causing pressure and the defense, the secondary making plays off of it. But yeah, this one play right here I see is that, you know, Baker felt rushed. He doesn't even step into his throw and literally throws it right into Minka's chest because they're playing the sticks because they knew that the Browns were going to literally throw it right to him. But I'm really excited about this week because this, yeah, is, a lo- I- this is a long-weighted week coming up because we were supposed to smack up on Tennessee Three weeks ago, you know, but they had COVID. Uh-huh. I'm not, I keep saying we, you know, I'm not on the Steelers no more, but I'm always a Steeler. I'm just, you know, so. A Steeler but, at heart. I'm a Steeler at heart. Uh-huh. So, but the thing is, I, I think this is going to be a solid game, man. You know, Tennessee's going to try to come in there running the ball. And they got Derrick Henry. He's a strong runner. But I think the Steelers, you know, last few times they played against Derrick Henry, they had his number, but he wasn't a Derrick Henry as how he's been playing lately. But it's... It, Man, I think the Steelers had a number one rush defense in the NFL. If not, they're, they're top five. And uh, it's hard to run on them, man. So I, I, I just want to see what this game is going to end up being like with, with uh, when you take Henry away from the Titans because Tannehill turns into a different player when he's not playing, uh, when Henry's not playing as well. And um, I just want to see how Tannehill end up playing because I don't think Henry's going to have a 100-yard, 100-yard day like he has in the last two games. Yeah, well, if this uh, schedule for the Pittsburgh Steelers, if it were a, a bench press, well, last week was the warm-up. It was uh, 225 as they got ready to slap three plates on the bar. And, and this week, well, they, they might be going straight to 405 because that's exactly what these Tennessee Titans are. And trying to stop a guy like Derrick Henry, that's like trying to tackle a man that's as big as a door frame. We know <laughs> we know how big that dude is. And, you know, it's it's funny. When, when I was at NFL Network for years, we, I used to do the morning show. And uh, it was the draft season. We, we had Derrick Henry come in. Obviously, he was the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And, Ryan, let me tell you, this cat was all business. Usually when guys would come in that early in the morning, you know, we, we try to get them to lighten up a little bit, you know, to take the edge off. So I, I, I try to get a little joke in here or there. And Derrick Henry came in, sat down on the desk and he was enormous. I mean, he was one of the biggest dudes I've ever seen, especially at the running back position. And I said, dang, man, I said, well, how, how are you going to come in here and sit next to me and make me look like Mark Ingram at the national championship game? I know you, I know you remember that picture when they yeah. were standing next to each other. And Mark Ingram had on the varsity letterman's jacket. Looked like yeah, a little, yeah, he looked so small, man. Looked like a child. And uh, when, when Derek Henry, when I, when I told that joke, he looked at me like, I, I mean, just dead, dead faced. As if to say, all right, man, I'm here. I'm all about that business. And I knew what he was all about. And so then when we actually got going with the show, I said to him, I said, you're the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And everyone's talking Ezekiel Elliott this and Ezekiel Elliott that. No disrespect to Zeke Elliott. He's been a special talent over his time in the National Football League. However, I said, when you're in the weight room, when you're getting ready for this, the combine, for the draft, how much does that resonate with you? How much do you think about everyone talking about Ezekiel Elliott? And he looked at me once again, stone face, stared me right in my eyes and said, I think about it all the time. And I think that uh, we've really seen the work that he's put in. It's, it's come to fruition. And we know that Derrick Henry, he is one of the most solid backs in all the league right now. And the Tennessee Titans, they're riding that wave of momentum. It's going to be quite the matchup to undefeated teams going down week seven, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Titans. But like Ryan said, uh, Pittsburgh was supposed to smack them a few weeks back, but due to COVID-19 protocols, this one's been rescheduled, right, Ryan? 
Yeah, this one's been rescheduled. You know, and uh, this game right here is going to be for the last undefeated team in the AFC. Mm. So this is this is what right now. Obviously, you know, we have a lot of games left. But this one right now, if you know, if we're talking playoffs, this is for a first round bye. You know, you only get one. So, uh, you know, a lot of ge- like so the Tennessee and Steelers, they want to make sure they keep winning games because once once you get down to that to that uh that snow season, that that December season, that hmm. January season, you know, people people want that first round bye, especially with it with his more teams in the uh, in the playoffs now. But I have a question for you, Cole. What you got? Since you brought up Derrick Henry and Zeke Elliott, which which runabout would you take? Oof. It's that's tough, man. It's t- I mean, if you had to go blind resume and the two dudes just walk in the room and I I don't know anything about either one of them, I'm going Derrick Henry, man. I mean, if, if someone said you have to try to tackle one of these cats, I wouldn't be able to tackle either one of them, but I'm gonna go with Derrick Henry because I feel like if you you put him in a room of, of defenders. I think more guys would be like, ooh, no, no. I'm, I'm, it's, it's almost like an I'm going to get you sucker. Remember when they'd ask Damon Waynes and Kadeem Hardison? All right, guys, <laughs> there's, there's two ways out of here, either the window <laughs> or the stairs. So that, that's pretty much what it is. I, I think right now, uh, Zeke Elliott, he's the stairs. Derrick Henry, he's the window. And right now, I don't think anyone wants to go out of that window because that is a man right there on a mission. And we've seen it, like we said, with the Tennessee Titans. They're playing an unbelievable brand of football. And speaking of a team that's playing some football, the Miami Dolphins. We talked about him real quick. And before we get out of here, how about Tua Tagovailoa going out on the field, got him, his parents on, on the video chat. They weren't able to attend the game and he got his first NFL series and just a, kind of a humbling experience, not only for Tua, but for everyone that was able to see that and see how much he sits there and cherishes that moment and wants to share it with his parents. I think that's amazing, man. You know, especially with everything he's gone through, people really thought his career was going to be over. You know, in... Uh, I I know that feeling. Obviously, um, you know, I, I retired, but just the fact that like when people think that something that you love is over, you know, that really hurts you deeply. And then uh for him to fight back and be able to go back out there and play football, um, and then actually have a series, you know, just enjoy the game. I, I thought I thought that was amazing, man. I'm I'm really excited for him. And um I think Tua has some great things in his future. I'm really the thing is I'm really happy about is that. Fitzpatrick is playing really good football right now. Mm. So it's really giving him somebody to learn underneath and not forcing him to be in there early. Because I feel when you're in there early with a bad team, it, it can it can get ugly for young quarterbacks. And the fact that uh, Fitzpatrick is playing solid football right now, um, and it's allowing him just to sit underneath him, learn the offense, learn the NFL, I think that it's, it's going to be uh, really impactful for him. And it's, I think, I'm not going to say that he's Patrick Mahomes, but I think uh, a transition like that for Patrick Mahomes was really good. And I feel like it, it could be the same thing for uh, Tua. You know, have somebody like, you know, uh, you know, Alex Smith, Ryan Fitzpatrick in front of you. Yeah, so like I'm I'm really excited. I'm really excited for him right now because, you know, they're three and three. They're they're literally one game behind the Bills, and the mm-hmm. Bills is first in their division. So I, I'm I'm excited to see where where this pans out. And um, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick keep playing solid. And then, you know, if he starts slipping off a little bit, they're still not going to be too far away. And then you never know. Two of them, I can take him to the championship, not the championship, but the, uh, to the playoffs. So we're just going to see how the rest of this season pan out. But I'm, I'm really excited to see that he has somebody positive in front of him right now that he can learn from. 
Yeah, a testament to his never-say-die attitude. Now, that's going to do it for this week's edition, the week six edition of the Ringer NFL Show with Ryan Shazier and myself, Cole Wright. And as always, we're part of the Ringer Podcast Network, and you can follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Also, you can follow the Ringer NFL over on Twitter. Now, each and every single Tuesday, we're going to hit you with a new episode. And next on the Wednesday edition of the Ringer NFL show, it's Warren Sharp and Chris Vernon. They're giving you some week seven analytics. They're going to give you some betting insights. They're going to make you just a little bit richer. So until next week, I'm Cole Wright. He's Ryan Shazier. Hey, Ryan, say goodbye, man. All right, see y'all. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.